Good morning, Cross Point. Um, as Dave says, I'm Pastor Kent. I am the student pastor here, um, youth and college uh, pastor. And before I start, I just want to make some announcements for Hype students. Um, I, I would love for you to join me on our Hype Zoom Hangouts, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 2 to 3 p.m. Uh, it's a time that we get to just check on one another, see how each other's doing. We have a devotional time that we, um, that we do, and then we also have game time. We play a lot of games. We have a lot of fun, and it's a very encouraging time. So if you have students in Hype, I would highly encourage you to highly encourage them to join our Hype Zoom meetings um, from 2 to 3 on Tuesdays and Thursdays. As well as Sunday nights, we have uh, Hype Online via YouTube, and then we do small groups right after that. So it's another way that we try to engage students and reach them and just um, impact their lives with the gospel. So I would uh, encourage you to just um, join us in those things. Uh, before I get into the message today, I just want to take a time just to pray for our hearts um, and our souls and our minds um, during this morning. So let's just pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for this morning. And thank you for just being you. God, you are faithful. You are good. God, help us to trust in that. God, I pray that we would have open ears, we would have open hearts, and that we would see how you're working in our lives today. How you're working in our lives in this pandemic, and how you're working all things for our good and for your glory. God, I pray that just move me to the side. God, let just your word speak through this morning. God, we love you. We serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Many of us have seen ambulances race down the road. Their lights are flashing. Their sirens are going crazy. And it can be a scene that if you're on the sidewalk, you might have to plug your ears because the sirens are way too loud. And um, it's, just, it's alarming and you have to move over. If you're driving, what do you normally have to do? You slow down, you pull over, and you let the ambulance go to where um, the call is, the rescue call, where there's someone who's injured in need of help. And once the ambulance arrives on scene, you have paramedics, you have EMTs, they assist the injured person or whoever's sick and ill, and they try to get them stable so they can transport them to the hospital where you have doctors, surgeons, nurses who try to take care of this patient. Most of the time, the doctors and, and surgeons and nurses and all the medical personnel are able to find the root causes of the illness. They're able to perform surgeries and help uh, the injuries that this person might particularly have. And as a result, many times these people live. But there are some times that there's not a cure for an illness. That the doctors can't get to the, the root cause or they can't fix an injury quick enough. And it's only a matter of time until that person dies. What do you think people in those situations feel? Family members of, of that person, what do you think they're feeling? I would say they're probably feeling a little desperate. Hopeless. Maybe angry. And possibly lost. And this is where we find the leper in Luke chapter 5, verse 12. He's feeling these same exact feelings. Because even though now we have a cure for leprosy, back then in Jesus' time, around 30 AD, there was no such cure. 
there was no hope for lepers. People who, con- uh, who contracted leprosy had a life sentence of begging for money, for food, a life sentence of living outside the city walls with no protection. They were outcasted in society. They had no protection, no hope, no job, none to little friends. They were destined to die a leper. So in Luke 5, 12, we see this man with leprosy, a leper who has it all over his body and is probably nearing his death. And somehow this man with leprosy hears of Jesus, one who can perform miracles, and he searches and he finds him traveling in the town and he begs Jesus for healing. If you, if you have your Bibles with you, please meet me in Luke 5, verse 12. Luke 5, verse 12. Reading from verse 12. While he was in one of the towns, a man who was there had leprosy all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him and said, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. This is such a beautiful picture, yet another image of the love of our Savior. We see faith from this man who has leprosy, and he cries out. He has faith in three different ways. First, he calls Jesus Lord, trusting that Jesus is, uh, he's got power, he's, uh, he's got status, he is Lord, trusting that Jesus has the power to heal him. He realizes that Jesus has uh, the sovereignty, and he has the ability to get rid of his leprosy. That's the second thing we see. We see not only does he believe that Jesus is Lord, but that he has the power, that he has the ability. And thirdly, we see that he realizes that Jesus is sovereign. It's up to the will of God to heal him. So this is the first interaction that he sees. we see when he says, Lord, if you're willing... And then we see something beautiful happen. We see Jesus breaking all social norms in that day and age. People's minds would have been blown because instead of outcasting the leper, instead of distancing himself, claiming the leper to be unclean, what does Jesus do? We read it. He reaches out his hand. He touches a leper that no one would touch. And here we see the Son of God touching him and healing him. Here we see Jesus as a willing healer. He touches him and says, I am willing, be made clean. And just like that, the leprosy was gone. What an incredible, beautiful picture of love that Jesus has for humanity. But in this small encounter, I I have to ask myself, I have to ask you, church, what about you, Crosspoint member? What about you, visitor? Do you see Jesus as the leper saw him? Do you see Jesus as Lord, Lord of over your entire life? Do you see Jesus as someone who controls your mood, someone who controls your destiny? Do you see Jesus as sovereign? 
and all-powerful. And do you trust that it is up to God's will to heal you? Do you see Jesus as your willing healer? For believers, we know that God will either heal us supernaturally right now and then, just like Jesus did for the leper. But then we also know if that doesn't happen, we know God's going to heal us when we get to heaven and we are received our glorified bodies. We know that he is a willing healer and he is faithful to do so, one way or another. So I ask you, especially during this COVID-19 pandemic that is dragging on, and we got the news Saturday that quarantine is lasting a whole nother month. Has your trust in God wavered, church? Does your faith waver when things aren't done when you want them to happen? Does your faith waver when God's answer for your prayer is no? Does your faith waver when your life seems to be a trial after trial after trial after trial? I hope and I can pray that we can have the faith just as the leper did in our Lord Jesus and see that God is still God even if God's will is not what my wants or desires are. See, in this case, in the leper's case, we see that God is willing to heal him right then and there. But there's good news left in this story, and it doesn't end there. Jesus does not stop with him healing him right then and there. He continues. So let's keep reading. Verses 5, 14. So meet me back in Luke 5, verse 14. And then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleaning, uh, cleansing as the, testimony, as the testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to heal him and be healed of their sicknesses. And yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Okay, one thing we need to notice here as Jesus continues this, this interaction with this man is that he told him not to tell people. Now, people would have been stunned by this. Not only were they have already been mind blown by the fact that they healed, that he, Jesus, touched and healed the leper, but they would have been blown away by the fact that he said, don't tell anyone. Because back then and around Jesus' time, you have teachers, you have rabbis who wanted recognition who wanted popularity, who wanted to be known as high and mighty. They wanted to be revered as someone in society. But we see here Jesus is not a normal teacher or rabbi. He doesn't want that. He realizes that his, mis- his mission and purpose on earth is not to gain favor with people, but rather to glorify God. And so I ask Try to put yourselves in the shoes of the leper. Can you imagine being healed and then being told not to tell anyone? Your life has been changed forever. You can now socialize with other people. You can worship God freely in the temple. You can get a job, make a living. Your life as a beggar is over. And I have to be quiet about that? I can only imagine news spread when others saw him and, he, and they were like, you can't come closer, you're on." You're unclean. And the leper's like, no, look at my 
hands. Look at my arms. Look at my feet. Look at my legs. Look at my face. I am clean. And imagine that man going and sharing that it was Jesus who cleansed him, who made him clean. It's no wonder why the news of Jesus spread like wildfire. That his popularity grew and that larger crowd started to gather. But notice in, the, in this last verse that we read, 16, that even though he was gaining more popularity and having more followers, he made time to get away. He made space to be by himself and to connect with God the Father. Now, as Christians, we're called to be Christ-like, right? And follow the example that Christ lived while on earth. And even though we might not be as popular as Jesus was while he was on earth, we, we still have people wanting our attention. If you hold any management role in your work, you have coworkers who want your attention. If you're a laborer, you have a boss who wants your attention. If you're a teacher, you have students who want your attention. If you're an athlete, you have a coach who wants your attention. If you're a parent, you have a spouse or a child that wants your attention. If you're married, you have your significant other, your spouse who wants all of your attention. And if you have any friends or family members, they want some of your attention to some degree. With people around us desiring our attention, I ask you, do we set a time aside to connect with God? Because here's the truth, that until you turn your attention to God, you'll be trying to live life on your own, and you'll miss the blessings, many of the blessings of having an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. And let me say this, if we have a God who's willing to heal us and willing to be there when we need him, and if we have a God who's willing to give us peace and willing to give us love and forgiveness, then why do other areas of our life tend to take priority over spending time with him. Could it be that sometimes you or I view God in such a way that we only make time with him, we only talk to him when we need him, when we think we need him? Because when we're trying to do life on our own and then something bad happens, it's almost like we turn to God as like a last resort. That somehow we think that we can live our lives the way we want to, and when things get tough, then we turn to God. If I can confess something, it's most of those times that we only do that because of our earthly benefit. Now, there are those who'd be totally content with the Jesus who heals and helps us with our physical ailments, and that would be but that would be making the mission of Jesus as something only for our earthly benefit. And that is not who my Savior is. That is not who the God of the universe is. Jesus had a greater mission than just to heal us physically. He came into the world to heal, heal us spiritually. We see this as we continue in Luke 5 in our next story of Jesus healing a paralytic. Let's continue reading in Luke 5. Verse 17. On one of those days while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. And just then, 
some men came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. And since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Here in this story, I just want to take a minute to just kind of set this scene a little bit to understand this situation from the paralytic's point of view. Here we have a paralytic, this man that we don't really know much about, but what we do know is he's paralyzed. We don't know how. It could have been from birth. It could have been from an injury or an accident. But we know that paralytics are normally like beggars, kind of like the leper. They're beggars. They, they don't really contribute a whole lot to society. They don't have really good paying jobs or even if a job at all. And they had few people who cared about them. Fortunately, in this uh, paralytic's story, he had friends. He had someone who was either relative or really good friends with him that they cared about this man. And in, in this particular paralytic's situation instance, he had friends who believed that Jesus could heal him. These men probably heard of Jesus healing the leper in the previous story um, from different townspeople, and they thought, you know what? I have a friend who is in need of this Jesus, and we must bring him to him. They, are, they believe and they are convinced that Jesus can heal their friend. And so they bring him to the place where they hear that Jesus is and, and where Jesus is teaching. And because the house is so crowded, they're taking no for an answer. They're too convinced and they want this to happen that they go on the roof and they remove tiles and they lower him down. This paralytic's friends, they're desperate to have their friend healed. So desperate that they go to extreme measures to have him meet Jesus. Let's continue reading and see what Jesus' response to these extreme uh, measures. Luke 5.20 Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Wait, that's what Jesus' response is? Something that is an interruption to his teaching, where there's many people around him. The stranger comes down. Jesus calls this man friend. He's never met this man before. But because of his faith and the faith of his friends, Jesus calls this man friend. But Jesus doesn't stop there with friend. He continues and says that his sins are forgiven. No, no, no. Wait. Just a hot second. This statement, your sins are forgiven, would raise two questions in the people's minds that are listening to, to this uh, event unfolding. One, their first thought would be, God is the only one who can forgive sins. And up to this point, they haven't heard of God taking form of a man. And so people are really wondering, who is this man that claims to be God? Two, why would Jesus tell this man that his sins are forgiven before he heals him. What is the point of him telling this if this man really just wants physical healing? We see these answers in the next couple of verses. So let's keep reading. Verses 21. Then the scribes and Pharisees began to think to themselves, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? 
so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man. I tell you, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. Immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. And then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God, and they were filled with awe and said, What incredible things we have seen today. Did you catch it in these verses that we read? That he, Jesus answers the two questions that we pose and that the people probably had during this, this situation. He uses the fact that he has the power to heal to prove that he also has the authority to forgive sins. This shows that Jesus is truly God in human form, that he can heal, but he also does have the power to forgive sins. This also shows that Jesus can heal not only their physical ailments, but he has a greater purpose in his, in his ministry and life, and he can heal spiritual ailments in humanity. He can heal people spiritually and forgive their sins. Because let me tell you this, this man just wasn't paralyzed physically. He was paralyzed spiritually as well. Because until you encounter the living God, you and I and all of humanity are paralyzed spiritually, along with this man before he was healed and forgiven. Because until you encounter the living God, you'll never have forgiveness of sins. You'll be carrying that weight and that load and that burden on your own. Until you experience God, until the regeneration of the Holy Spirit has taken place, until you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the only thing you can do is choose sin. You're stuck in your flesh. You're paralyzed spiritually. And there's only God who can wake you up from this state. It's only God who is able to move you out of sin. And it's only by God's power that you can defeat death and you can defeat sin. So, it's not just this man, but it's all of us. It's all humanity who need to be healed spiritually first before anything else can take place. Now, how do these two stories connect? How do they intersect into this, this one passage? First, I would say, in the first story, we see Jesus as, as a willing healer. He heals the leper willingly. In the second, we see Jesus as a forgiving friend. He forgives the sins of the paralytic. He calls him friend. I propose that we can connect both of these and we can come to this conclusion that Jesus is indeed our willing friend. Jesus is our willing friend to meet us in our physical needs and he's our willing friend to meet us in our spiritual needs. Jesus is willing. But I ask you, church, I ask you, Crosspoint member, I ask you, visitor, I ask you, listener, are you willing to put your trust in Jesus? Are you willing, like the leper, because after that moment, the leper wasn't labeled a leper anymore. He was healed. He was seen as a normal person in society. He was able to get a job. He was able to provide for himself. He was not a leper anymore. His current status is healed. Are you willing, like the paralytic, 
Because before that moment with Jesus, not only was this man healed physically, but he was also healed spiritually and now is considered a child of God because of his encounter with the living Christ. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. I pray right now that you take this time to repent, to confess sins, to come to know Jesus as your willing friend who is willing to forgive you and willing to love you and meet you where you are. Come to the God who loves you, who loves you so much that he took the penalty of your sins and the penalty of my sins in the whole world and he took it to the cross and he died there for us. So I ask you, to come and to know this God today as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've already been following Jesus for a number of years, but there's this this sin that you just can't seem to overcome. It could be gluttony. It could be addiction to alcohol, drugs, pornography. It could be some sexual sin struggle. It could be a temper that you can't control. It could be anger. It could be pride that you have to be the best at everything or at least viewed the best in everything. It could be selfishness, only doing what benefits you. Whatever your particular sin struggle is, I pray that you would stop trying to battle your sin on your own. And I would pray that you would reach out, be willing to reach the willing friend of Jesus today. Because he is our willing friend. And Jesus will meet you wherever you're at. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. God, thank you for these truths that we get to learn. God, thank you for just your willingness to be our friend, our forgiver, our healer, our everything. God, I I pray that for those who are listening, for those who, who don't have a relationship with you, God, I pray that they would come to you and that they would confess their sin and that they would repent and they would come to know you as, as Father, as Savior, as a willing friend. God, I pray for those who, who already know you as their Savior, but God, that they're struggling. God, they can't seem to break this addiction, this particular sin habit that they keep choosing over and over and over again. God, I pray that you would wake them up, that they can't do it on their own. God, they need to run to you. God, they need to confess. They need to realize that only you can help them overcome their sin. God, I pray that they would come in humility and confess that today. God, I thank you for being, for being my willing friend. I thank you for, for saving me. God, I'm so grateful. God, help us to be a grateful church for saving us, for dying for us, for loving us in this way. God, we do love you, and we serve you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.